Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. All right, welcome in everybody. Chris Clark here from GamecockCentral.com. Happy Monday. Happy GC Live. Start of a new week here on GC Live and on GamecockCentral.com. If you're wondering where my partner in crime, Wes Mitchell, is, he should be along shortly. Busy day, Monday. Always busy on GamecockCentral.com and on GC Live. Wes and I, this will be actually... Technically, show number two for us today. And I think some of you were here for show number one. That was not a GC Live. Don't worry if you happen to miss it. But we did have a special guest on today. Second week in a row, we were able to secure a current Gamecock player. And that was safety Jalen Foster, the super senior, who has had a tremendous year. A tremendous year. T. Thompson. There you go, T. T was on the first show. Wes went to Firehouse. He might have. He might have. I did not get time to go to Firehouse, but I, I wish I would have had time to do that. We did, of course, have a another Firehouse subs lunch with Jalen Foster. If you missed that, you may be kicking yourself. Don't worry. Go to the front page of GamecockCentral.com. There's still a link there. Or you can go to YouTube.com slash GamecockCentral, and you can find that video in full. We had about 40 minutes with Jalen. Really, really good stuff from Gamecock Safety. And, and that's something we've wanted to do for you guys at GamecockCentral.com and to continue to do is to have some unique, compelling content, give you a chance to interact with some of the Gamecock players. Last week, of course, we had Jaheim Bell. And this week, we had Jalen Foster. So really good stuff there. Today on GC Live, of course, our show, this 2 o'clock program, every week, Monday through Friday, except for on Tuesday, Shane Beaver Press Conference Day, we will be with you at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and as always, brought to you by Clint Hammond, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. If you have any mortgage needs whatsoever, if, if you would like to buy a home, if you are wondering if refinancing may be right for you, give Clint Hammond a call. Friend of the show, Gamecock Central subscriber for a long time, all-around good guy and absolutely outstanding at what he does, so perfect match for you. So there you see Clint's card. Here, if you're on the YouTube show, 803-576-4450 or 803-422-6797. C. Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com and his NMLS number is 71597. Thanks so much, everyone, for being here with us. Nathan, Greg, T, 
Greg, Jamie Henson, Macandino, and Frederick. Appreciate everybody being in here. Uh, numbers are going to continue to grow here. Purpose of today, obviously, guys, I said it on Twitter earlier when I was kind of previewing the show and dropping all the links for everybody on social media to find the show. If you want to celebrate, Gamecocks did get a win. That, of course, is cause for celebration. If you would like to commiserate because of the manner in which it happened or the season in general or whatever it may be, you can commiserate with us here. If you have questions, if you have comments, drop them right here, and we will uh, be glad to answer them, to discuss them, and to be here to walk with you through all of it as usual. couple housekeeping items, guys. Before we uh, before we dive into the show, before we dive into your questions and comments, and please do, if you have any questions or comments, drop them right there in the chat. A couple housekeeping items. Number one, please do go back and watch our Firehouse Subs lunch with Jalen Foster because he was absolutely outstanding. Scheme talk, coaching talk, talked about his teammates, his own progression. He has a really, really cool story. In terms of just how he got to South Carolina, that decision, kind of betting on himself, really, really good interview. And Frankly, you're not going to find that type of thing anywhere else. So if you want unique content, go back and check that out with Jalen Foster. Secondly, help us out if you will. I see a lot of guys, Greg, Craig, appreciate you guys encouraging everyone to hit the like button. Please do hit the like button. Um, do drop a question or a comment. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's free. We hope you're a Gamecock Central subscriber. It's about a quarter a day to support us and to get access to all of our content on the website. Again, we do have a website and it's absolutely loaded with content every single day of the year, in season, out of season, all the major sports, we cover them all. We hope you subscribe there, but it's free to subscribe to us on YouTube. And also, if you want to know every time that we go live, hit that little bell and that will uh, alert you to when we go live. That is your notifications button. Do those two things for us. Subscribe to us and hit the notifications button. That really helps us out a lot. Now, let's talk about Gamecocks Vandy. And let's talk about, let's not bury the lead, everyone. Let's not bury the lead. Zeb Nolan, okay? And first place I'm going to go is to our guy, T. Thompson. He has this comment. And T, congratulations again. Uh, I believe it was your wife, Teacher Appreciation Day. That was awesome on Saturday. Good stuff. Do you think if Zeb didn't get stepped on at Georgia, does he lose the starting job? That is a fascinating question. And that's something that I actually thought about the other day. You know, Zeb, obviously, because Luke Doty goes down, uh, he starts the first couple games. Carolina notches a win. Then he goes out. Georgia game, starts the game, gets stepped on, did, did a couple things early, gets stepped on, Luke Doty comes in, performs admirably in that game under the circumstances. Probably a wash, right, because you don't expect South Carolina to win that game. But if Luke Doty comes back, does he eventually supplant Zeb as the starter? I mean, if I had to say hindsight's twenty twenty, I mean, probably so, but, but we don't know for sure. And we don't know with certainty, with 100% certainty, what the outcome of the Georgia game does. I, me personally, I don't think there's any difference. Who was playing quarterback in that game? Stick Connor Shaw at quarterback in that game. USC Hall of Famer, congrats to Shaw. Put Connor Shaw in that game at quarterback under the same circumstances with the same two teams. I don't see South Carolina winning that football game, right? So 
there are some different angles to consider. But what we do know is Zeb got an opportunity at the end of the Vandy game, led South Carolina on what, an eight play, I think it was, 75-yard drive, touchdown pass to Xavier Leggett, very improbable given uh, how South Carolina had moved the ball or not moved the ball would be more accurate terminology throughout that game after, what, the first quarter. Uh, the time, no timeouts, a couple plays that didn't really go anywhere even during that drive, a couple little swing passes to Saquandre Wright. One was, what, a two-yard gain. One was dropped. But they get a couple big explosive plays. The Nick Muse play, Josh Van on third down hit that play, then you hit Xavier Leggett for the touchdown. And now things are back to square one because Luke Doty, in some form or fashion, and to some degree, his foot's bothering him. And Zeb Nolan expected to get the start on the road against Texas A&M on Saturday. So, T, I can't answer your question. I don't know for sure. My, my sense is a healthy Luke Doty would have eventually taken over once again for this football team because that's what was envisioned going into the year. But now it's Zeb Nolan's show, at least for this week. And I think what will be fascinating is what ends up happening the rest of the year. Obviously, we don't know right now. We don't know right now the extent of an aggravation or is it just soreness with Luke? What exactly is it? Maybe Shane Beamer goes into that a little bit on Tuesday. Uh, We don't know that. We also don't have the benefit of of this foresight of, well, how does Zeb Nolan play against Texas A&M? Or if he gets a chance... The, the following game, well, what's the bye week hold in terms of health for this football team? We don't know all those things. So fascinating storyline. Um, Nathan makes a great point here. Lewis Andinelli, appreciate you being here, man, on Facebook. I'm going to get to your question in just a second, too. The line block better on the Zeb drive. Could the line calls have been responsible for some of the O-line mistakes? So I think two points there. I have not been able to dive in fully to complete the rewatch of of that game, uh, the full game. I've, I've gone through and I've watched it once. I haven't been able to really, really, really dive in to all the different calls and things like that and how the O-line played. What I did observe on that last drive from Vandy is, as you said, Craig, on YouTube, they rushed three. I think they brought four once or twice. Vandy sat back in zone, and Zeb Nolan – when he had time, was able to pick it apart, you know, on several plays. Uh, you had the big Nick Muse explosive. That, to me, was the key. That was the key to that drive, finding Nick Muse in that zone. Nick Muse, smart route runner, gets open. He's able to secure the catch, turn around, and have green grass and make that explosive play. Then, obviously, you had the third down where great throw by Zeb. Josh Van, you know, again, Vandy's dropped back in zone, and he finds a little window, and, and Zeb, throws it in there. Um, so they sat back. And I think if you're Vandy, you're going back now and kind of reassessing what you did on that last drive. Now, understand, I, I, you can see the line of thinking with Vandy. The last thing you want to do is send the house that doesn't get home, and then you give up a, a, a seven-yard touchdown or something like that. You don't want that. South Carolina in that situation has not really moved the ball. They got a quarterback coming in off the bench cold. Um, they haven't done much offensively. You've played fairly well on defense if you're Vandy. You want to keep things in front of you. South Carolina doesn't have any timeouts. 
you know, make them earn it. But the the holes in the zone were pretty big, and I think he gives Zeb Nolan credit. The offensive line did not have as much pressure because there were only three or four guys being sent. But they did their job. They did their job on that. And so they're able to go down and, and whew, they're able to go down and score and win that game. Now, Louie Antonelli on Facebook, by the way, all our comments, of course, Primal Gourmet guest line. I'm going to give you our special deal that we've got from Primal Gourmet. I'm about to go pick up my next uh, five pack, the Carnivore Pack, which I'm super excited about. Double Meat is the Carnivore Pack, of course, from Primal Gourmet. Picking that up tomorrow, so I'm fired up about having some healthy pre-made meals for this week. But Louis Antonelli was talking last week's show about resetting expectations if we struggled against Vandy. Given that we struggle mightily, have your expectations for this season changed? Um, I would say yes. I think – now, Lou, c- correct me if I'm wrong, Lou. I probably did say struggle. Definitely a loss, right? Like if South Carolina would have lost that game, which is like a very real possibility, would have gone through and, and really, really reset things. Now, it came down to really what the last couple plays of the game. I mean, South Carolina tied, or scored. They tied the game with that Leggett touchdown, and then they went ahead with way less than a minute left. And then basically from there you had a kickoff and you had one offensive play for Vandy because it resulted in a, in a strip sack. Carolina took over, ran a play, and that was it, right? So um, really it came down to the end of the game. So they won, yes, but they didn't win by much. And so the game was extremely close. And so what you have to go on right now is that these teams are pretty close. That might be – some people may say that's unfair. I don't really know that it's unfair. And that's something that I said on Friday is that – we made all our Vandy jokes. I'm going to continue making them probably. I should probably lay off a little bit. But that's not a good football team. The Vanderbilt team that came into williams Bryce is not a good team. And the way that they played against South Carolina did not change my mind on that. Um, it's a Vandy team that's still only beating Colorado State. Uh, it beat UConn. They kind of, in some ways, they kind of gave the game away at the end, right, against South Carolina. South Carolina earned it, but they, they had a chance, for example, Vandy did, to go down and score a touchdown, and they could have assaulted the game away there. Um, they gave up a, t- a touchdown drive at the end of South Carolina, 75 yards on eight plays. So that their coaching staff and their players aren't feeling very good right now. Now – The point is, Vandy doesn't have a great record this year in terms of what they've done, and the teams they've beaten aren't very good. South Carolina has beaten EIU. They've beaten Troy. They beat East Carolina. And now they've beaten Vandy. And that's not a great body of work either. So right now, when you're talking about the pecking order and where teams are relative to each other, South Carolina right now is, and this is painful to hear, they're a little bit closer to that bottom run where, where Vandy is and where Missouri is. We'll see how those two teams match up. But they're closer to that than they are to Florida, Georgia. And we'll see. Again, Florida has dropped a couple straight to LSU and to Kentucky. South Carolina was pretty close to a really good Kentucky team. A lot of that was because of how, how Kentucky played. South Carolina couldn't take advantage. So I would say it is fair 
given how South Carolina played against Vandy, I think you do need to reset expectations some. Now, if they had come out and won 42 to 10 against Vandy, um, which, which seemed at least possible going in, I, I did not predict that. I thought it would be a closer game, not a one-point game. But if they would have done that, I think it was still not a situation where you would have said, okay, now now South Carolina, they got it all figured out. They're going to go beat Missouri. They got a chance to knock off A&M, Florida. Like, you wouldn't have gone that far. But since they did struggle so poorly against Vandy, now I think you look around and you go, okay, this, this Missouri game now goes from a game that, given Missouri's struggles, you think, South Carolina, can they probably win that one too? It's, it's at best maybe a toss-up. Then the A&M game looks scarier, especially with what they've done this year. They knocked off Alabama. You know, it, it's it's a little bit of a murkier, scarier picture right now, just to be realistic. And that's not to fear monger or downplay this team. They've had some comeback wins. Vanderbilt was one. East Carolina was one. They fought through adversity at Troy. Those aren't the types of teams that they need to be at that level with right now. And it is year one under Shane Beamer. And so it kind of is what it is right now. But I think it ha- what we've seen from this team, we're over halfway through the season. Right now, this is what the team is. Could they improve? Could they knock somebody off that maybe they're on paper that they're not supposed to? Uh, they could do that. But right now, I think the offense is not – I think I've said this every week. The offense has not given us enough reason to be super confident that they're going to just all of a sudden turn it around um, in a week because they didn't do it against Vanderbilt. First drive, they go out, they score a touchdown. They're moving the ball early in the game. They score some points. You feel pretty good about it. And then it falls off a cliff until until the last drive. So, Wes, are you here? Are you in? Wes, I'm the, here. The partner in crime. What's going on? Should, uh, should, yes. should we do the flip? Let's do the flip. All right. Order is restored. Order is restored. Um, (laughs) Go ahead. Let let me just go ahead and get it out of the way. You have thoughts. Let me just go ahead and say it. Um, 38 points did not happen. It didn't. So let let me just own that one, Chris. Let me go ahead and own it. Also, let let me also say, when South Carolina scored, not just on the first drive of the game, on the first two drives of the game, I was feeling pretty good about that prediction. I was like, man, they uh, they, they look good today when they uh, when, when they were on script. Um, offense looked great, and, uh, and you know I thought Doty really came out and, and looked accurate during the first couple of drives, and uh, they were getting the ball to Jaheim Bell. They were. Uh, a step they were actually you know and, and i think it was deuce McAllister uh who said it but um they were getting positive yards on first down and it was putting them in makeable second downs and makeable third downs they were running the football and uh, and really having success in multiple layers you know explosive plays short passing uh they're running the football a little bit and i was like man this uh this is how your offense should look uh against vanderbilt and then um, you fast forward. I blacked out, and uh, I woke up, and uh, and Zeb Nolan was driving the the team down the field. So 
They scored on all three drives of the game that I witnessed. Uh, oh, really? Would, oh, yeah. You would think that would be enough uh, to, to score 38 uh, points, but it, it it's not. When you only get three drives. Uh, but, no, in all seriousness, uh, wow. that uh, When you have the penalty South Carolina has and when, uh, you know, you, you turn the football over four times, and you know how many how many of those those penalties just felt like they were at mind numbing times in that the worst possible. Yeah, it, it, you know it feels like the offense is getting going. Then you have another penalty. Feels like you're moving the football. Then you have another penalty. Um, it, it was it was really bad. You're you're just not at a place offensively. You know I I do JB and Goldwater every Monday. And, and I, I knew they were going to ask me about the offense. And I was just like, guys, I don't, I really honestly don't know what else to say. I was like, we've talked about it for seven weeks now. So it, it, it can't be good radio or stream or you, whatever, whatever we're doing. It can't be good content to just talk about the offense and say the same. I, I want to say things that it's just going to, that we would have to beep out because it, it just it can't be very entertaining to talk offense, 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 and say the same stuff every week. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, I think the difference in this game, Wes, has been, well, the same as a lot of the past games in that, you know, I'll go back to my phrase. It's overused. I'm going to oh, keep here we go. Low margin of error. That is my phrase. This offense doesn't have much. Let's take out – let's pretend there's no coaches on the staff, okay? It's just players. They're drawing up their own plays or whatever. This team does not have the offensive firepower that we've seen even in some of the past few years' teams on South Carolina, right? I mean, th- it wasn't that long ago that Brian Edwards and Shy Smith and Rico Dowdle and Hayden Hurst and – you know, some pretty good offensive linemen who are still on NFL rosters were out there. Those teams did not always light it up. We, we know that. We know that. We don't have to go there. But comparatively, um, this team does not have, factoring in experience and talent combination, does not have that. So anyone expecting a scoreboard, you know, lighting up all this season was just sadly mistaken. It was, it was never going to happen. You know, scoring 30 points a game, against good competition, that wasn't a fair expectation in year one. So what that meant was they were going to have to maximize what this team had, develop some players individually, which we have in some cases seen that, lean on the run game, which we have not seen. They haven't been able to do that consistently. Um, stay injury-free, which for the – you know, Luke Doty's a big one. He's been banged up throughout the year, missed some games. But for the most part, they've been fairly healthy. and then. Here's maybe, I don't know if it's the biggest, it's certainly one of the biggest, play clean games. They haven't done that in a lot of contests, and that's why they've gotten in some of these dog fights, East Carolina. Think about all the penalties in that game, Troy. Think about all the, the stuff in that game. You know, um, that, that was not good. Sorry, do I have some kind of uh, classical music playing in the background there, Wes? You, you do? I, I think I was looking up – what I was doing is I was going through – I was on ESPN's website going through, like, the mind-numbing, you know, things you were talking about and trying to find the play-by-play. So they decided to play some music on me. 
but no, they 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 were going to have to minimize those mistakes. Play clean football. They actually played a clean game against Kentucky, but couldn't move it. You know when they got the opportunities to do so, and so we have seen consistently the offense get bogged down by a false start, holding uh, turnovers. You know we saw. I think the first, no, the second turnover game, the first one was a turnover on downs. You had the fourth and four play. You get a yard on the Xavier Leggett little pass. Marshawn Lloyd fumbles, I think, on the 14-yard line of South Carolina. Vandy goes and scores a touchdown. So, Jaheim Bell, big explosive play, fumbled the football. You know, um, and then you end up with Luke Doty throwing two picks later in the game. That's the difference between probably – (laughs) <laughs> that was not my ringtone. That was not. <laughs> Give me about 20 years, and that'll probably be my ringtone. Uh, Kendall already I, says you're old, so. Well, uh, yeah, she's right. So that's the difference, though, Wes. And if everything was the same in that game except the turnovers, you know, maybe you win by two or three touchdowns. And And, and that doesn't mean this team's arrived, but you probably do. Now, they did. And so a great team could have turned the ball over four times and still overcome it and won by a couple, three touchdowns. But this team isn't there yet. They're not. And so um, until some of these things fall off, the untimely penalties, the turnovers, the lack of being able to line up and run your base runs, there's just not a lot of reason for confidence offensively right now. Yeah, but what what is the genesis for all those things? Like, it, it, is it is it just do, do you have penalties because you're trying to keep up with a guy or trying to block a guy that you can't, so you hold him? Like, it, it, it are some penalties talent issues? Are they are some penalties being asked to do something that maybe you're you're not comfortable doing or can't physically do? You have to reach for a guy as opposed to you know. Maybe the maybe the Alabama guy can step, you know, a little bit faster and get his hands on a guy, and and you can't. Uh, is it uh, how much of it is scheme? How much of it is that you're you're doing a lot of different things, and you're in this NFL style offense, um, you know, and and you don't really have guys that are um, all completely necessarily the best fit uh, at, at times for this sort of NFL style offense. So. Um, as Nick says, is it that the refs in the SEC are just garbage because South Carolina gets called for holds all the time, and it seems like some really good defensive linemen for the Gamecocks. You can say whatever you want about this team, but J.J. Enigbare, really good player. Zach Pickens, you know, basically one of the best games of his career. Uh, I think Jabari Ellis has played great this year. Sterling, uh, Strong, Birch, nobody ever holds them. You know, that's it, – it, it doesn't get called on that end. I know I'm jumping all over the place, man. But I just uh, – I, I don't know. We, we, we've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. We've talked about all the issues. But um, right now we're just treating – right now we're taking an ibuprofen or a Tylenol and we're treating the symptoms uh, when we need House to come in here and tell us – and diagnose what the uh, the actual issue is, the Different underlying issue. So, um, 
that that to me is, is the big thing. And I know it's a lot of things and people will say, oh, it's a number of things. But um, what's the biggest underlying issue is the question that we do not have the answer to or that has not yet been answered. And, uh, you know, as, as much as I, I'm sure it it sucks for fans to think about it, but seven games in, is there – is there a point when it just is what it is that this is what your 2021 offense is set to be? Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't get this from, from Jerome. I, I'm not sure if we're talking about something else. Here we go with how awesome we are. Uh, there's There's been absolutely none of that this show. Um, if anything, we've been pretty harsh, I think. But that, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, Wes. It's just like – the first game, first couple, few games, especially in year one, new offense, new players kind of settling into their roles, you can kind of say, well, well, is this it or is it not? Through seven, it is, unless it changes. Um, because the themes have been the same. You know, the themes have been penalties. Now, the genesis of the penalties, I, I don't know. I'm not going to take a stab at that. But we've seen that. Penalties, very untimely penalties turnovers we've seen that the lack of a run game some other bits and pieces here and there have changed you know there have been some good moments here's been some bad moments here lots of bad moments but those are are really the the main things like the undisciplined play the turnovers and then you know the lack of a run game and let's not pretend again here's i I guess there'd be a fourth one this team is not as talented. One one of the, I think it was Woody Chavis on Facebook earlier on the Primal Gourmet chat line, noted that it's recruiting. People don't want to hear this sometimes because, what was it, Lane Kiffin said we give the head coach way too much credit. That may be true sometimes. I think even with coaches, and I'm not absolving any coach of responsibility, that there's plenty of stuff to get into scheme-wise, play calling, all that stuff. When you have great players, the best teams, the ones that win the most, have the best players. Why do y'all think that is? It's because they're the best. You know, like having having the best players, those guys get open more. They make more one-on-one plays. Their linemen are better. They're stronger. They're faster. They're more skilled. You've got linebackers who can run and cover, blitz, do all the things you want, and then you have depth. And that's why the teams win. Now, they may have great coaches, too. A lot of them do, who develop them, put them in the right position. But a lot of it comes down to players. And so that's why some people, I think, maybe even get frustrated with this sometimes when we say it's a number of things. They want to just be, no, it's just one thing. It's just the play call on that particular player. It's just this. It's kind of a complex thing. But even use the local example. Go back to South Carolina's best teams under Steve Spurrier. Or if you want to go way back, go to their Joe Morrison teams. I don't have as much of that frame of reference. Go back to Lou Holtz's best teams. What was the common denominator? They had the best players. Like they had better players during those eras. When the talent fell off, the teams got worse. And then we're hyper-analyzing what scheme are they in, which coaches are doing what. Those things are very important to talk about. And I think they're more – illuminated this year because there was so much talk going into this year, rightfully so, about maximizing what this team could be. They've done that on special teams. 
for the most part done it on defense, have not offensively. And that's why there's been so much talk about the staff, particularly on offense, particularly about Marcus Satterfield. It gets illuminated more. Um, but there's no doubt, to Woody's point, they are going after recruit players. I mean, they, they, they've got to find that. Yeah, and I, but I, I think the, the fans, as you said at the end, man, are just frustrated when they see direction on defense um, and they Absolutely. see the direction on special teams. And uh, I, when I watch this defense, man, I, I have very li- little trouble finding any fault with the guys, even if they make a mistake. Like, um, if you play hard and you play fast, and, and, and I'm not even saying that as a shot at the offensive guys because they are playing hard. They are playing fast. I'm not saying they are not. But I feel like the defense has sort of been empowered to go play freely and with a high comfort level. So if a guy misses a tackle and somebody takes it to the house, guess what? That's part of being in the arena. That's part of going and playing. It's mano a mano, open field deal. Sometimes you win the battle, sometimes you don't. Um, South Carolina has a lack of depth at certain spots on defense. South Carolina has um, some linebackers, uh, one in particular, play in like every single game, every single snap. Um, But I think fans look at it and they say, for the most part, you might get beat because a guy might just be faster or he might beat you to the spot or he might block you. But I don't think fans get the sense that the defensive guys don't know where they're supposed to be on defense. I, I think you feel like they're playing hard, they're playing fast, and that they understand their scheme. Special teams, um, special teams, in my opinion, should be an issue on this team when yes. I look at the lack of depth on defense. You want to see a good team that's pot, that's really good on special teams? Usually they have good defensive players because there's a lot of carryover and they have a playmaker from the offensive side who can go, uh, you know, return kicks and punts for them. Although that's a little bit, uh, not, not as even big of an opportunity as it used to be because we don't see those returns as much anymore. But as far as coverage goes, um, blocking and tackling, guess what? Blocking and tackling has a lot to do on the defensive side of the ball as well. So the fact that they're as good as they are on special teams, I believe, you know, Pete Limbo gets a ton of love, maybe even not enough love for how good they have been on special teams compared to how they should be. So I, I think that's where the frustration is, man. Not, you know, you can look at you can look at the Georgia game and be like, of course South Carolina not going to have a ton of success offensively. Um, you know, e- even Kentucky, man. I mean, that, that game, everybody's frustrated because the opportunity is on a short field. I think the real frustration comes, though, struggles against Troy. Yes, Troy is a solid defense statistically. You know, they have some good players, but um, South Carolina had the absolute, uh, the the size advantage completely across the front, offensive line versus defensive line. The ECU game, uh, then you look at the game on Saturday. When you look at what Vandy's given up to other teams um, and the way South Carolina started the the game (laughs) – you know, with the success they showed they're capable of having, I think that's where the frustration is, just not seeing, you know, they're, they're going to have struggles when they face Georgia's of the world, the Texas A&M's of the world this week. You expect that. But I, I think you also expect there to be some progress uh, facing 
the the Vandys of the world and not needing Zeb to sort of uh, to bail you out. Though, you know, the other side of that is that yes, um, I, I do think you do have to give them some level of credit for fighting it out because I can tell you um, there were a lot of fans in the building that did not uh, hang in there and did give up on the game. Um, I I saw y'all going to the fair and going to the parking lot. So if um, if you want to look at it and say, well, it's just Vandy, you don't give, you know, they don't get credit just for doing what they should have done. I disagree. Um, in my opinion, they do get credit for being in a situation where pretty much everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people thought that game was over. Um, ESPN, FPI had it at like, 96% Vanderbilt's chances of winning late in that game. So if you cut the TV off or you left the stadium because you thought the game was early, was over early, then the other side, you bet you have to give the team credit for, um, for driving down and, and winning against the odds. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, again, they, they fought through that game to win the ECU game. There was kind of that dynamic looking back earlier in the season of, you know, for, from a fan's perspective, right? We heard a lot of this. Why are they down 14 nothing to ECU? You know, and why are they having to come back to beat ECU? Okay, I mean, maybe maybe a fair point. They came back and won. And so a win's a win. Better than a loss, right? But it did continue, you know, to expose some of the issues. And going back to the point that you're making, Wes, absolutely in terms of progression, development, maximization. There are things to point to on special teams and defense to indicate that's happening. Offensively, there's not. And so all three phases of the game, there are reasons coming into this year to be concerned. Like, we weren't that concerned about Parker White or Kai Kroger, who's been really good. Both of those guys, Parker White missed a field goal in the game, but he's been really good and the depth issues on special teams and the team speed aspect. Even with Pete Limbo, noted special teams guru, you would have been completely within inbounds to say, I don't know if that's going to be that great of a, you know, like they may struggle there. They haven't struggled at all, really. Defensively, they've had some struggles for sure. Look at the Tennessee game. Look at some, some of the other instances. But, I mean, dude, coming into this year, the secondary, huge concern, huge concern, not only from depth, but just the starters, you know, with some of the guys they lost. J.C. Horn, Izzy McQuamu leaving for the NFL. You lose uh, John Dixon. You lose Jamie Robinson to transfer. Don't really know what you've got behind that. It's a lot of guys that haven't played a ton. Then the linebacker depth, you know, there's con- some concerns there, which have gotten worse since you've lost Sherrod Green in season. Um. Would have been completely in bounds there, even with this defensive line, and saying South Carolina is really going to struggle defensively, or at least have that question. Instead, they've been much better than the offense. So those same questions were there with the offense, but there has not been the same. Okay, they've progressed. There's been there've been some little instances of individual development or some little signs of certain things, but for the most part. From game one to game seven, you can't say that this offense has gotten better. You can't say that they've established an identity. You can't say that they've been super productive. We're sitting here on October 18th. 
Did you get that, Wes? I got the date right this time. We're on October 18th, and South Carolina is averaging 21.9 points a game, and that's with the benefit of having played EIU. That's 109th in the country. I mean, that's that's not good enough, even for this group. You know, e- even when we're when we're looking at okay, the talent is not as good as it will be in the future. They hope. That kind of tells the story. I think it's uh, appropriate that I started yawning when um, you started giving the the statistical take on the offense right now. What, Chris? What about what about the fact that yes, and I know all all of the offensive stats include defensive and special team scores, but you're talking about a South Carolina defense that's been one of the best in the country at either a scoring or b putting their offense in a place to score. So that includes the defensive plays uh, as well. And you're talking about a special teams that's blocked three punts, which almost always puts you in, in a positive position <laughs> as well. So whew, that's, that's rough, man. It, it is rough. Uh, we had a question. Um, I'm going to hit it because Luke really, really wants us to answer this question. Um he says, do you think we can have more success on offense passing like we did on the last drive of the season? Um, no, I I think, Luke, in my opinion, you, you see this a lot. A final drive scenario is really not um, replicated during the rest of a game, right? You know, you're, you're, if you if you come in and you're Zeb, you know, and I, I looked um, I, I, I looked at uh, McKenzie when Zeb came in. Uh, my girlfriend and she said, and I said, look, either this game will end with a Zeb Nolan touchdown or a Zeb Nolan interception. Because, you know, when, when you come in, when it's fourth quarter, you come in, you're going to take chances that you wouldn't take otherwise because you have to. So that, that throw to, to that guy who may be kind of covered, but you feel like you can fit it in the window first quarter, first and 10, it's you know maybe it's a dumb decision. Fourth quarter, second and ten, less than ninety seconds in the game, you take the chances, right? So um, you know, to me now it's not replicated. Now I'll give all the credit to Zeb in the world. That is one cool dude. Um, some some people would have been rattled. I, I think um, Chris Zeb Nolan has like reached enlightenment in his QB progression. Um, wow. That, no, think about it, dude. He's just like, I'm, I'm getting this great opportunity mm-hmm. to play at the SEC level. He, t- he's talked quite a bit about what it was like to take his pads off really for the last time. Yeah. I, I think he went out there and was like, what do I have to lose? Like I, no one expects South Carolina to win the game at this point. Nobody ever expected me to even play again. And here I am with a chance to go pull a miraculous comeback win for my team if I just complete a few passes. And, um, dude, when he hit Nick Muse on, I think it was the second down throw. Yeah. Um, the, the energy of that entire building just changed. Um, I was like, they're they're about to drive down, and, and Vandy's gonna Vandy. Um, I've ne- dude, whew, 
golly, we've spent enough time talking about it from a South Carolina perspective, but that Vandy locker room had to have been just how do how do you bounce back from that? Uh, yeah, absolute brutal way to lose a game. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, Luke, not really easily replicated. You you sort of have to say it is what it is. You give Zeb all the credit in the world. Give the receivers as as a buddy of mine said. He was like, those receivers didn't have a, have a choice but to catch the ball because Zeb was just putting it on them. Um, a couple of absolute lasers. And, uh, you know, another guy, Chris, I do want to give some credit to. How about Xavier Leggett? Not just, you know, everybody will talk about the touchdown catch, but uh, filling in for, for, for Jalen Brooks. Um, kind of cool that the guy who is filling in for somebody who is out gets to uh, – gets the opportunity to go make the the game win and play and, and comes down with it. Uh, beautiful throw, beautiful catch. Um, just a, a great drive uh, all the way around from, from all the guys. And uh, But you could tell Zeb came in with just a – there was a calmness. He literally looked like he was just in uh, sort of – he looked like he did if he was in segment one of an open preseason fall practice. like. Just go in here, throw the ball around. We'll see what happens. Just just an old man doing some things, right? Isn't that what he said on yeah. Gothier's uh, IG? Yeah, I mean, he 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 was a cool customer, man. And um, I think, what was it on uh, – he was with uh, – I think it was on Darian Wrencher's podcast, the, the former Clemson running back who interviewed him, had that great interview with him. And uh, I think Zeb's quote was, you know, when, when he decided to go – play again it was kind of if I suck I suck that's what that's what he said so he has kind of taken that that approach to where he's just going to go give it his all and and not kind of feel that pressure I actually uh said to my wife watching the game it it was kind of funny Zeb there was one moment where he had to like tie his cleats and he was just down on the ground tying his cleats and and he was like telling the coach, he's like, yeah, go ahead and give me signals. Like I got him. like, go ahead and tell me. And he's like tying his shoes. And then, you know, um, but I mean, this is a guy that knows the offense, you know I mean? He was, there's obviously a difference when you step from sitting around coaching ball, you know, you're in the office a lot, watching film, cutting film, doing all that kind of stuff to going back out on the field. There's a big curve in ter- terms of getting yourself back in shape. So I'm not minimizing that. And it's different sitting there talking about it and going out there and playing it. You know, it was a huge difference. But in terms of the offensive concepts, he knows him really well. And so it could be, it could be that, especially with a Luke Doty that was affected, according to Shane Beamer, at the end of the game by his, by his foot. We saw he sailed one of those balls on the interception, for instance. That maybe Zeb in the passing game does give them a better chance. Or maybe he gets them with his knowledge Maybe he gets them out of some bad plays and into some good ones, you know. And for a team that, again, low margin, maybe that helps them in some form or fashion. Maybe it helps them convert a third down. Maybe it helps them avoid a, a delay of game penalty. Maybe it helps – maybe you help the offensive line with something that you're doing. And so I don't expect this team to go up and down the field on people like they did against Vandy in that last drive. But it could be that we could see some type of improvement in the passing game. 
Yeah, you know, we could. We, we probably will in, in some instances. But also, I think, by the way, David on Facebook trying to call me out. David, you missed. I already called myself out. So you can't call me out if I call myself out. Uh, it was completely wrong on the 38 points. Already admitted it. Uh, but I, I, I do want to talk about that a bit. We, we are sometimes, uh, as sports people, sports fans, media, uh, Gamecock fans, everybody involved in this, y'all, we, we get caught up in the, the moment a little bit. And, you know, how, how many how many of the same people saying, why wasn't Zeb playing and saying it, it's over for Luke Doty, watch Luke Doty play, you know, three quarters against Georgia, and we're, we're claiming, you know, Do- Doty has arrived. Like, you, you know, you can't so much get called up into what you've just seen, um, in, in my opinion, in – forming your overall opinion. And, yes, I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's clearly the right move, I think, to start Zeb against Texas A&M uh, and, and go from there. But I, I don't think – here's the thing, y'all. Until you have until you have figured out who your quarterback is, and I'm talking about that that's your guy. And we've seen even in college football, that's that can be a fleeting thing. Like Spencer Rattler was Oklahoma's guy. Like there, there was no question coming into the season that he was their guy, until he wasn't. And now Caleb Williams is their guy. Um, but so fi- finding the finding the person, the player that can truly be the guy for his entire career, and never once get questioned, never once get take. I mean, hate to say it, but you know Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, um, you know, is the that's what you're shooting to be if you're a quarterback to where you take over and then it's your team from that point forward. Here's the thing, y'all. Until you are at a point where you feel great about the quarterback position, the the take of all the Doty deal is over is, is ridiculous, in my opinion. Like, you can't just give up because of, uh, because you're pissed off about the last game. Um, even even if you end up being right, even if you believe that Doty won't lead this team uh, to great offenses or whatever your opinion is, you can't just give up on the development of the guy um, because of what you saw for a quarter and a half on, on Saturday. And no way am I sitting here saying, you know, I think if, if we had Luke Doty on the Firehouse Subs lunch today, Luke would have stood here and looked right in the camera and said, um, you know, I, I need to, to play better. But this whole just give up on a guy thing um, is it, it, sort of silly to me because we've seen it time and time again when um, we we as a collective sort of give up on a guy and uh, and then he, he ends up playing really well. So it, it, it's not as if, for one, Zeb Nolan, Zeb Nolan has five – or six if South Carolina can go to a bowl games left that he can play at, at South Carolina. Your quarterback of the future is it's still up in the air, still attainable. So you you can't just give up on that idea because uh you know a guy hasn't been playing to your as a fan's standard. Yeah, you're exactly right. We we don't know. I mean, it, it is 100% Zeb's last year, and so they're gonna go out and 
ride with the guy that's going to give them the best chance for this year. Now, beyond that, it's very important that you continue developing those guys and keeping their confidence up. And, um, you know, some people are getting mad about like what the coaching staff saying in press conferences. And there can be instances where you can do that. But I don't think anyone should ever get upset if Shane Beamer or if Clayton White or Pete Limbo or Marcus Satterfield say it, if they say something that's, trying to instill confidence in their players. That's very important for this team because this is a team that was kind of fragile coming into this year because of what happened on the field. It wasn't a very confident team last year. You saw that on the field. They won four games the year before. They won two last year. COVID shortened year, but they won two games. A lot of things went wrong, and there was a lot of kind of just to sum it up, there's a lot of just bad feelings in that locker room. And so you came in, you injected it with some positivity, you knew there was going to be some adversity. Nobody picked this team to be undefeated up until this point or for the rest of the season. That meant you were going to lose some games. We knew there were going to be some problems, some issues. So now is not the time for the staff or the players to start getting negative. Now, is there some frustration on certain things and not playing better offensively? There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And that frustration is definitely evident within the fan base. But you're right. Next year, it's going to be a different guy. We don't know who it's going to be. We don't know if it'll be Luke or somebody else. Maybe somebody else is not even here. We don't know. Um, but that's why you're going to hear, you know, Shane Beamer in particular, you know, keep things positive because that's kind of, again, that's kind of what they need right now. How, and AW says, you say you gave up on Doty before the year even started. I mean, how how can you even have an opinion on a guy? if you gave up on him after two and a half quarters, like I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see how that makes sense. Remember when people gave up on Connor and I'm not, don't, don't go there. Y'all not saying Luke Doty is going to have anywhere close to the same career arc as Connor Shaw. But what I'm, I'm not saying that I would not expect that actually. But what I'm saying is remember the ECU game that year and Connor Shaw started and Garcia finished. Connor Shaw doesn't have it. He's just not the guy. You know, I mean, how much – seriously, we saw that so much. So, if you, like you said, Wes, if you end up being right about a guy, okay, but I don't know, I don't know why we almost celebrate giving up on people. This doesn't make sense. Well, that people celebrate because they want to think that they're right uh, about it. And uh, I don't know. Nobody here is making any crazy predictions about how it ends up. I just right. – you know, if if – if there's a five-star guy that I'm unaware of that's about to just take over the position, then, um, you know, point him out to me. But until until the position is locked up by somebody, you, you don't give up on, on any of your options. Uh, our, our boy uh, Lou Antonelli had a question earlier, Chris, I wanted to hit on. I don't know if you hit it before I hopped on. But the fourth down decision to go for it. Uh, Southcon was up 14-3 at the time, I believe. Is that right? Do you know, Chris? I think they were up 14-3. And uh, we're, we're in field goal range. They go for it. Um, would have extended it to 17-3. I will say this. Um, I am all for going for it um, in general. I'm all for fourth downs. I think coaches in general play way too conservative on fourth down calls. We saw it for five years, um, go for it. More times than not, you should go for it. But I will say this, 
some of your philosophy has to sort of adjust as you see your team. In my opinion, um, generally the uh, the teams that are really good on offense are probably the teams that should be going for it on fourth down because you know if, let, let's let's say Lane Kiffin his offense if you get a stop and you know it's, you you force a fourth and three and you're the defense and you're excited you're like we're getting them off the field and then you see that Matt Corral is still on the field. And they start running to the line of scrimmage because they already have a play called, and you're like, "Oh, they're they're about to they're about to run another play." You put teams on your heels by doing that. Well, to me, it South Carolina just has not operated at a high enough percentage in general, offensively, to where I could see maybe being a little more conservative in some of those scenarios. Now that we know the chances of of a guy having a penalty, the chances of a drop pass, the chances of uh, a pass rusher getting turned loose are much higher if, if we're looking in the mirror correctly if we're South Carolina with this team than maybe these teams that operate at a high level of efficiency on offense. So I think you maybe do factor that in to an extent with a guy like Parker White as your kicker. Um, you know, the other side, if they, if they get that first down um, – you know, and go score. It's 21-3 by all indications the game is probably over at that point because Vandy's yeah. not coming back. But, you you know, you keep extending the game, keep things positive. It go, you go up 17-3, you kick it through. Um, I, I, I don't know. And I Travis says don't chase points. See, I I don't look at fourth da- going for fourth down as chasing points, in my opinion. I, I think – if that's your approach, if you're going to call your third down call based on the chance you're going for fourth down, I think we, as a football-watching society, have to change how we even look at football. Like, I I look at it like you have four downs to get a first down, not you have three downs and then you make a decision. Lane Kiffin looks at it like I have four downs to make a first down. If you're good on offense, that's how you should look at things. Now, South Carolina, obviously we've spent the last 58 minutes talking about how they're not. But uh, big picture, I love it. This decision, eh, maybe not. Maybe could see it go either way. Yeah, and a little bit of hindsight here in in what I'm going to say. But, you know, I I think the context of it is um, I think they just intercepted Vandy. Is that right? I think think they just got in a turnover. Um, And then so you're you're already in Vandy territory. You end up you you had a third and seven or a second and 17. Third and 17, Kevin Harris runs for 14 yards. And so now you have that, what, fourth and three, fourth and four. And so it could have ended up where, you know, if they've gotten five, maybe 10 yards on that Harris run, you're kicking a field goal anyway. But you're close enough there to where you feel like you can try it. I think, Wes, it's probably what you said. If you go down there, you score a touchdown, now you feel like you've got the game completely in control. What ended up happening is because you don't get it and you don't try to take the points. Now it's still a 14 to 3 game. Vandy ends up scoring a touchdown, bring it 14-10. Then they score again, and now it's 14-17, and you're down, and that field goal would have had you tied. Now, since you're playing from behind and your offense isn't doing much, you start pressing a little bit later. And that's when we saw a couple interceptions later in the game. 
and they're having to play catch up. So I think good argument to be made in that game with hindsight that, you know, take the points there um, along with your point that this isn't a super explosive offense. Now I can certainly see the other side of you did. That was still relatively early in the game. You did score on two drives early in that game and you feel like you can go put it away. And so understand that as well. Wes, do you have somebody asked, I think it was Woody asked how many fourth down South Carolina has converted this year. Do you have that stat? Because I do not. I do not. Not off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I, uh, I, I need to, I'm trying to pull up that play while we were talking. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get it up right now, but, um, yeah, yeah, okay. It was definitely fourteen to three. I'm, I'm not through. We, we've had a lot going on today. I'm, I'm not through my rewatch yet. But um, there was talk, a lot of talk, Chris, about it being thrown short of the sticks, and uh, I guess into the boundary. Yep. Did you tell? Was, was Vandy in, a, in a zone on that? I, I think they had zoned up, and so kind of. Uh, I, I do need to go back back to make sure but that's what I can recall and I think so I will say I didn't think the play call made sense I, I didn't get that it must the, have been, the literal play call like not the the decision yeah the play the the, the scheme of the play call I, I didn't I kind of wasn't in favor of I think maybe as I recall Vandy was in zone so maybe you're calling that play I have to go back and look at it maybe you're calling that play anticipating a man coverage what I saw Vandy did mix up some coverages in the game. Um, but I didn't understand, notwithstanding the fact that he ended up having a good game, the, the game-winning touchdown catch, I didn't understand looking around at the different options there and deciding that a, a pass short of the sticks to Xavier Leggett was the best option there. At the time, I didn't get that. I know you're short some guys. You didn't have a Juju McDowell. You didn't have Jalen Brooks. I just thought there was probably a better play call in that situation. Yeah, I've got it now. I finally found it. So, um, South Carolina, by the way, Wes, as you pull that up, question was asked how many fourth downs they've converted. Looks like they are 7 of 15 this year. That's still actually kind of down there nationally in terms of the rankings. That's really – but by percentage, by percentage, I mean that's a uh, that's a forty six point seven percent rate. So, you know, I mean, you, you go down, for instance, I think it looks like Tulsa's tied for ninety seventh in the country. They're at forty two point nine percent, the highest team in the country. Coastal had just gone for it six times. They're six for six. UTEP's nine for ten. Air Force seventeen for twenty one. That's kind of a you know we we know why that is, but kind of interesting. If I'm going to be really picky on it too, y'all, um, I I don't like having to burn a timeout before that play. It was third and seventeen. Um, they ran the football on third down. That was one of one of Kevin Harris's um, explosive plays. You get it down to about fourth and three or fourth and four or so. To me, that's when you – I don't know. You, you probably have plays that you know you're going to on fourth and three or four that are sort of uh, staple plays for those situations. South Carolina kind of, you know, 
looked to the sideline, made the decision to go for it. Call doesn't get in. You call a timeout. Vandy resets. Um, to me, you like to ha- sort of keep a defense on their heels. Not that you have to run to the line of scrimmage and and screw up the execution, but you get to the line of scrimmage with, with some rhythm, uh, in my opinion, with a set play sort of already in mind and keep the defense on their heels. I would have liked to have seen that as opposed to the stand, stand around and you burn the timeout, then Vandy resets and, and, and comes out. Uh, Charles said, I thought explosive plays were 20-plus yards. Uh, not for uh, runs. It, it does not have to be 20-plus yards. Different different teams do them different ways. Um, but for the most part, what is it, 18 and 12? 18-yard pass, 12-yard um, run is generally kind of the accepted. Uh, you know, and some some coaches will argue – on a, if if it's an eighteen, you know, like that sort of deep dig against the cover three. If you know you just happen to be able to hit it, um, maybe a defensive guy doesn't necessarily count that as an explosive because the defense still did what they were supposed to do. But for the most part, um, yeah, eighteen and twelve, eighteen yard pass, twelve yard run. Um, Chris, I see a lot of comments about EJ Jenkins. Do you remember? His snap count, uh, by the way, if you're not on GamecockCentral.com, uh, Chris runs the inside the snap count feature every single Sunday or Monday, and you can see exactly how many uh, snaps each player took. I know that's it's a pretty popular feature on on GC because people like to know. And e- EJ was out there. I don't. I don't. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember necessarily the percentages that he was out there. So he played 19 snaps, which has kind of been close to where he's landed for, you know, the last few games, if I'm recalling correctly. He's been in the, the teens. I think there was one game he played 20-something snaps. So he, he was out there and, and around. They they did have a, a smaller, you know, they only played five receivers in the game. Marion Brown played six snaps. EJ Jenkins played 19. Other than that, it was Leggett who took 60. He took the most. And then Van and Joyner, obviously – you know, Jalen Brooks was out. All right, y'all. I watched the play. I don't. I don't know what that was. <laughs> it, um, it looked like zone to you. No, it's definitely zone. Um, so it was really more of like a man beater. Um, I thought EJ Jenkins was going to sort of create one of those natural picks because they they motioned Leggett uh, across the formation twice. And um, it it was pretty clear that it was going to be zone because nobody at all even appeared to follow him or, uh, you know, sometimes you see they won't follow him, but they'll, like, pass off the coverage, um, you know, if it's going to be man. Nobody even really seemed to care that he was in motion. And then EJ didn't really create any contact with anybody because there was just space as opposed to a man. And then... You throw it in the flat, Vanny Defender just comes up and, and makes the play because he was just – that was his job. He was playing in the flat. So, I think when Beamer sort of said uh, may, maybe a different call in hindsight um, or however he said it, that's not a direct quote. I, I just some, – sometimes you you guess wrong. I, I think that's probably what, what happened there, Chris. And, and that's what I meant by in that situation. Now, I don't know the progressions and reads. I mean, for instance, did Luke – did Luke go to that throw too early? Like, 
could he have seen, okay, this is zone. Let me go to another option. That might've been, um, yeah. so without yeah. us knowing that Wes, it's kind of hard to give like a complete critique probably, but that's kind of what I meant by if, if you're, if you're play in that critical situation, because it's fourth down, it's not first down because it's fourth down and you're turning the ball over. If you don't get it, the, the biggest like hinge point of your play shouldn't be, this is going to work if it's man. Right. So now it could have been both. It could have been, okay, if it's zone, do, you know, go to this read. That might have been the case. And if it is, okay. But I, I think you, you probably should put your players in a, in a situation where you got a better chance at executing something there, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I actually, I don't mind throwing short of the sticks if I know I'm getting man and I get a man beater because a lot of, um, a lot of those plays like that, um, you know, you'll see that guy gets picked off, but you, a lot of them actually are thrown behind the line of scrimmage even sometimes because you can avoid, um, you can actually block the guy if you uh, if you're behind the line of scrimmage on those. But uh, so sometimes you'll see the man beaters thrown short of the sticks, but um, it it's there's an open lane. We saw you know Clemson destroy teams with that. So um, in the past. All right, y'all, we've gone way over. Appreciate it. Chris, uh, did you tell them about Dead Soxie yet? No, we have not. I've been uh, trying to get to it. We just haven't got to it, but now's a great time. Lots of people still in the chat. So before we let you go, let's talk about Dead Soxie, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Make sure you go there. Check out their tremendous and extensive line of men's and women's socks, everything from dress socks to athletics. The college line, which if you're on YouTube, you see up in the top left corner, your spur socks or the striped ones. Check those out at deadsoxy.com and get 25% off of your entire order with the promo code COCKY. All right, y'all, that's going to do it. Uh, we appreciate all of our sponsors. We appreciate Primal Gourmet, of course, Dead Soxy as well. And our buddy Clint Hammond. I saw that Clint was at the game this past weekend uh, with his family. Uh, big Gamecock fan. And, of course, a GamecockCentral.com supporter. Get more information on uh, Clint and uh, what he can do to help you get in a mortgage or to refinance your current situation at ClintHammond.com. For Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate all of you joining us, and we'll see you on Tuesday. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.